Welcome to the Faith Trends Podcast, conversations that connect research with ministry. I'm Lindsay Calloway, and I'm a researcher at the Center for Research on Church and Faith. On this episode, we're joined by Andrea Senya, the Director of Policy at CARDIS. CARDIS is a nonpartisan think tank dedicated to clarifying and strengthening the ways in which society's institutions can work together for the common good. My colleague Rick Heemstra and I talk with Andrea about the trends in faith and spirituality among Canadian immigrants and non-immigrants. We'll talk about why it's important to understand and appreciate the religious dimension that immigrants to Canada have to offer, and we'll think about how this might affect the religious landscape in Canada. You'll also want to stick around at the end of the episode, where Rick and I share our thoughts about the conversation. Andrea, welcome to the Faith Trends Podcast. We're so glad you could take some time. Before we get started talking about your research, you're the Director of Policy at CARDIS. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, thanks so much, Rick, and thanks for having me on this podcast. My role as Director of Policy, simply put, is I try to work to get CARDIS's research into the hands of the people who can do something about it. So oftentimes that means translating our research reports into either language or formats that are relevant to policymakers, depending on the kind of work that we're commenting on. That's the short answer of what I do. Okay, so we have a different kind of translation work to do today because we're mostly talking to ministry leaders. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great. We'll want ministry leaders to be able to implement some of the findings of the research in their own context. So it's another way of doing translation. Now, CARDIS has been reviewing the 2021 census data, and they just recently conducted a survey to understand and compare faith among immigrants and non-immigrants in Canada. So why is it important, and why was it important for CARDIS to understand the faith trends among immigrants to Canada? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, as we all know, immigration is a really important part of the Canadian story, both historically and even to the present day. And the data that we've studied shows that one in four Canadians now were born outside of Canada. And so, you know, these are the people that we're interacting with, working with, uh, going to school with, what have you. And so put that in the context also of the fact that the government has a really ambitious immigration agenda, kind of looking ahead. I think targets are upwards of 400,000 immigrants in the next few years and building up to 500,000 immigrants, I think, in 2025. So, you know, these are old neighbors, our new neighbors that we're talking about, and we figured it was very important for us to understand the spiritual and faith lives of these people as well. Okay, and the spiritual and faith lives, you measured it with something called the spectrum of spirituality. Could you describe a little bit about what this spectrum of spirituality is and what you're trying to measure with it? Yeah, the spectrum of spirituality is a very nerdy term for an index that we developed together with the Angus Reed Institute. And it's basically a continuum that measures people's commitment to their faith. And so we break down our respondents into four categories. So the religiously committed, privately faithful, spiritually uncertain, and then the non-religious. And we basically come to these categorizations based on the respondents' answers to a series of questions. So we ask if they believe in God or a higher power, if they believe in life after death. Do they pray if they pray how often? Do they attend a religious service if they do how often? And I think what we're trying to get to the heart at here is that people of faith are not a homogenous group. There's a lot of diversity in terms of 
how people express their faith and practice it. And maybe just for the listener's context as well, I want to say that the respondents came from a variety of faith groups. So we weren't exclusively speaking to a Christian population. And so we're talking about people of faith, kind of more generally speaking, with this spectrum of spirituality. And so you've kind of grouped people into these four groups. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that's helpful in understanding the Canadian religious landscape? For instance, there's privately faithful, I think was one of them. What can policymakers, what can religious leaders do with those kind of categorizations and how is that helpful to them? I think there's a lot to delve into in terms of the data that we have presented here, but I think it, it goes back to what I said, which is that it's not a homogenous group. And so there is a lot more to be understood in terms of the different values that people of faith may hold depending on the extent of their religious commitment. And also, uh, I think we'll get to it later, their, their view on the importance of faith and its relationship in public life and their engagement in public life, how public they are about their faith, how public they believe other people should be about their faith. So I think it's important um, just kind of as a baseline for policymakers to get a greater understanding of of people of faith, especially as, you know, we kind of are living in an increasingly secular society. And so kind of getting at the nuance of some of um, those beliefs, I think, is important for policymakers. And so how are immigrants different than non-immigrants? Yeah, so... As I, as I mentioned, we, we asked the, you know, our survey respondents a, a series of questions. And so there are a couple of interesting categories I'll highlight. And, you know, I encourage listeners to read the report as well after listening to this podcast. But one category that we, we measured is, do you believe in God or a higher power? And immigrants were significantly more certain in terms of their belief in God or a higher power. So uh, I think it was 47% who said that they definitely believe in comparison to, I think it's 32% of those who are born in Canada who say that they do believe. Um, and, and I think this trend, this kind of higher degree of belief um, and, and higher degree of certainty, I should say, uh, amongst immigrants, it was also present in a number of other categories. So belief in life after death, belief in whether or not it's important for parents to be teaching their religion to children, and then I think one that I found really interesting was the frequency with which people pray. And so for, for immigrants, it, on the question of do you pray every day, um, it was 32% of immigrants in comparison to 17% of um, people born in Canada who said that they were praying every day. Andrea, were there any areas where immigrants aligned more closely with non-immigrants in Canada? Where we might see, I don't know if it's the influence of secularism or if we just see some more alignment on some of these areas that you measured on the spectrum of spirituality. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if alignment maybe is the word that I would use, but I think there's just more, I keep saying it, but complexity and nuance to some of the, the responses. So I mentioned, you know, the question about belief in God or a higher power. So if 47% of immigrants said they definitely believed, when you look at those who said definitely and I think so, so kind of the affirmative but on a different level of certainty, it was 72% of immigrants who gave uh, one or the other type of yes, and it was 64% of those born in Canada. So I don't think it's a, 
I, mean, I guess depending on on where your vantage point is, it's it's not an entirely bleak picture. There's if sixty four percent of those born in Canada believe in God or a higher power, that's still a pretty it's still a pretty high percentage. And then I would say there's some interesting complexity in the questions around whether they read a sacred text or how frequently, and whether they attend religious services and how frequently. And I think that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the group of respondents that we were talking to. So we weren't talking to an exclusively Christian audience or an exclusively Christian population. And so, yeah, I think different religions place different emphasis on these two elements. And so I think there's interesting findings there as well. Something else I'm just curious about, you know, when we talk with a lot of new Canadian communities, they'll often talk about how in the second generation immigrants, they start to see the kids leaving the faith. Did you break this down at all by generation of immigration and notice any trends there? That's a really, really interesting question. And I think something that warrants further study but for the purposes of this survey, we were looking exclusively at country of birth. So the first generation immigrant question was not one that we have data on. But I was thinking about that too in preparing for this podcast is how do beliefs then change when the next generation is kind of born in Canada and what the impacts are of that? I think there's a ton of complexity on you know different answers to that question. So um, I think it's something that would warrant further study and discussion. For sure. And, you know, maybe just before we shift to talking about some of the public square implications, I'm curious to know how you've parsed out what it means to be religious or to have a faith versus spiritual. Are are there slight different nuances to the way that you're using those terms? I think for the purposes of this survey, no. I think we kind of left it to respondents to interpret answers. And you'll see that in the second half of the survey, which asked about religion in public life, you know, we asked questions like, are the contributions of faith communities good or bad? Um, mm. And so I think there was room for interpretation there in terms of those differences. And so, yeah, we tried to we tried to catch a larger spectrum of beliefs with asking questions, you know, God or a higher power, things like that. But right. I don't think we broke down into that level of detail. One of the obvious questions I, I think that arises from knowing that new Canadians are more religious or spiritual, as you the term that you use, is Canada going to become more religious because we have high immigration? <laughs> You're asking me to look into the future and provide predictions, <laughs> Rick. I'm not sure if that's wise. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important when we talk about immigration. We often speak about the economic contributions that immigrants are going to make to our society. That's kind of the lens through which we view a lot of our immigration. And I think that the real value of this survey is looking at the kinds of other contributions that immigrants are making to the fabric of Canadian life and, you know, bringing with them their different religious traditions, I think is an important cultural contribution to our understanding of who we are and what it means to be human and exploring a lot of these questions, which those who hold a religious belief often are asking. So is Canada going to be more religious as a consequence of this? I'm not sure, but I hope that it means kind of better discourse around this and a better understanding of who our neighbors are, what they believe in, and what that can highlight for us in our own understanding of what it means to be human and to be living in this world. 
if someone's spirituality is part of their contribution that they bring to Canada, how would you then in the public square argue for that as a positive contribution to Canada generally? I presume that that's one of the arguments that uh, you would want to make with MPs, with policymakers. How does that translate into uh, something that policymakers should welcome or be happy about? Somebody that I go back to a lot on thinking about this is the late Pope Benedict XVI and some of his writings about multiculturalism. And he has this idea of, or, or this concept that he refers to as the respect for the sacred. And I think really when we're thinking about multiculturalism or immigration and how to do that well, I'd say that's the biggest contribution that people of faith are bringing is this sense of the respect for the sacred. And even in situations where our truth claims are very fundamentally different on the spectrum of all the different religions that are represented in Canada, they are fundamentally different in a lot of ways. But on a very basic level, if I have an understanding of the sacredness of something to me, I'm more likely to be able to understand that you hold something as sacred, even if it fundamentally differs from what I believe to be true. And so I think that recovering that that respect for the sacred in our policymaking, in our public discourse, I think is a good thing. And I think that's really the value that immigrants, like in, in this context that immigrants are kind of demonstrating through the religious commitment that they hold and that they're bringing into the public square. So we're talking about the role of faith in the public square. Did anything surprise you about the findings in your study related to sort of the role of religion in public life? Yeah, so we we had a whole series of questions in this survey on exactly that subject. And I I wouldn't say anything necessarily surprised me. It was more of a confirmation of maybe an intuition or an instinct that I had. And so there are a couple of interesting questions that we asked. So you know, should Canadians with public positions be free to speak and act in accordance with their beliefs? 44% of immigrants said they agreed, 33% of non-immigrants agreed. So that was kind of a, the disparity that I was expecting. I think an, another really interesting one is that respondents were asked the extent to which Canada accommodates different faith practices and religious minorities overall. And 51% of immigrants said that Canada is striking the right balance. And 44% of non-immigrants said that Canada is doing too much. So I think that's an interesting takeaway from this survey. So immigrants are generally more religiously committed and more supportive of the role of religion in public life in comparison to non-Canadians, which I think is something intuitively, perhaps a lot of your listeners may have already felt or thought. And so this kind of confirms those instincts. How do we sort of reconcile what seems to be slightly divergent views on the role of religion between immigrants and non-immigrants in Canada? Do you see society becoming more accommodating of religious views, less accommodating? Often people seem to be very polarized in how they talk about religion. And, you know, you have a spectrum of spirituality and, and probably there's at each end of the spectrum sort of uh, fairly incompatible viewpoints on the role of religion in society. How would you encourage dialogue so that these two groups come together and have a workable relationship between those who are religious and non-religious in the public square? 
That's a good question and not covered in this particular report, but one report that we put out earlier this year was looking at the rise in hate crimes targeting religious communities in Canada. And we've seen that those numbers also on the rise, unfortunately, over the past decade or so. And so I think it's a very real thing, the, the issue that you're pointing to of this conflict between those who are religious and those who are not. I think, honestly, the answer to me is, is very simple, which is <laughs> go out there and get to know your neighbors, right? If one in four Canadians is an immigrant and the vast majority of those are people of faith and a great deal of Canadian-born Canadians are also people who believe in God or a higher power, then it's much more difficult to dislike someone when you get to know someone in a context as opposed to sort of disliking a religious person kind of in the abstract. And so I would say, yeah, talking to your neighbors is a good first start always and kind of creates those civic bonds that hopefully will extend into kind of bigger discourse or questions about public policy. Now, talking to your neighbor, that sounds like we're moving into that translation piece of what can we actually do with the information that Cardis has gathered. So thinking that our listeners are ministry practitioners, whether in a ministry organization or their pastors and churches, why do you think this information might be helpful for those in frontline ministry? The Canadian fabric is changing to be to have a higher percentage of people who are born in other countries than you know, these things are happening around us, whether or not we're acknowledging them. And so coming to a better understanding of these groups and the dynamics, I think will be helpful, regardless of whether you're engaging with people who may be within your own pews or your neighbors who are not in pews, right? So a greater understanding is always a good first step. Like I said, these are people who your old neighbors or your new neighbors, right? And you can expect to encounter them. And so I am hopeful that some of this research points to the opportunity maybe that there is here to, again, like I said, recover that respect for the sacred and how we can share that. So this isn't the first time that Cardus has done a poll with the spectrum of spirituality. And forgive me if I'm asking something that's outside of the context of what we were going to talk about, but have you noticed any changes over time in how Canadians are answering these spectrum of spirituality questions? Yeah, we've done a lot, a lot of research using this spectrum and measuring trends over time. I think maybe one trend that I can kind of point to is there seem to be fewer and fewer people who are in the uncertain category, especially in younger age groups. And it seems that people in younger age groups, I think I'd say you know, 18 to 35, are becoming actually more religiously committed. And I'm not just talking about the population of those born in Canada, I think just generally speaking when it comes to Canadians. So I think there are interesting trends among young people as well to kind of weave together the thread of what's shifting in the faith landscape in Canada. Anecdotally, does that sort of uh, line up with your experience, the people you talk to? Yeah, certainly. I would say so. I think I try to be cognizant of maybe some of the sort of like subcultures, I like to call it, that I, that I might be a part of. And I don't want to extrapolate trends from those onto the broader population. But I would say so. I think that the younger generation has gone through a little bit of a tough time over the past uh, couple of years, whether it was coming out of COVID or economic issues. And so I think we're all grasping with these questions of, again, who am I? Why am I here? And what does it mean to be human? And we're looking for answers to that and I think you can see that borne out in some of these trends. 
That's great. I think there's a lot of encouragement there to think about opportunities for more, whether it's interfaith dialogue or just asking some of these tough questions and processing what it means to be human with the next generation. I think that is something to be hopeful and expectant about. Andrea, for our listeners, if they want to learn more or access this research or other research that Cardis has done, how can they access that? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you giving me the time to plug that. Your listeners can go to cardus.ca, C-A-R-D-U-S dot C-A. And we have a lot of research on these issues and other issues related to, to faith and public life that they'll be able to find online. Great. And we'll link to this research brief in the show notes and include uh, that link here. But thank you so much for joining us today, Andrea. We hope to look to Cardus for more information in the future. Yeah, thank you both so much. You know, Lindsay, we've been uh, looking at another operationalization. Operationalization for our listeners, this is just a fancy way to talk about a set of questions that you use to find a population. And really the spectrum of spirituality that Andrew is talking about is a way to find spiritual people. And they put a a number of questions together. And I, I think it's really interesting that there's kind of been a shift, I think, in the way that pollsters typically have approached this, where we're not measuring religiousness anymore, but spirituality, which is a little bit of a different approach to understanding what I think is arguably still a religious landscape. Yeah, I agree. And it actually makes me think of our conversation that we had with Sam Reimer, because I think when we talk about spirituality, it's often very self-directed. And so if you're looking to yourself as the sort of spiritual authority, that is going to have different implications for how you live your life, what you believe, what role your beliefs are meant to have in the public square or in the private life versus those who are putting their faith into something external or something that has or exercises an authority outside of the self. And that has vastly different implications that you know us as evangelicals face all the time, who is your master. And so we're always navigating what it means to live out our faith in the public square as well as privately. But I think if we are not careful in separating the implications of what it means to be spiritual versus to have a faith in something, while there is overlap, it does have vastly different implications or it'll give us a different understanding of how we're living out our beliefs in society. Yeah. One of the things that has always struck me, I live in Ottawa, as do you, and then Canada Day celebrations on July 1st are always a a very big deal here in Ottawa, down on Parliament Hill. And if you were to go down on Parliament Hill in Ottawa on Canada Day, the only people you would find doing evangelism there really are Nigerians. Hmm. And they typically are from the Redeemed Christian Church of God. And here you have a group that, again, has a different approach to spirituality and a different approach to the public presentation of their faith. And I think that this has the potential really to begin to change the faith conversation in Canada. Yeah, I mean, just speaking personally, you know, thinking of what Cardis does and trying to translate their research for MPs to understand the value of the religious, the faithful, the spiritual in public policy. And I guess we're 
hopeful that with more immigrants who seem to be more committed spiritually and religiously, that they will have to pay attention to the population of religious people in Canada who believe that their belief should have an impact on public policy. How do we get their attention is my big question. I mean, it sounds like Cardis does the work of research and translating that research. How does EFC get their attention? You know, in Canada, we talk a lot about welcoming immigrants and we welcome them. Typically, what's talked about in the media is welcoming them for their economic contributions, for their, you know, the languages, the human capital contributions. But as Andrea was saying, they come with religious contributions. They come with a particular worldview that grows out of their faith. And I think a big question for Canada is, Will Canada make space for those particular kinds of religious or spiritual contributions? And in the public square more recently, spiritual contributions generally haven't been very welcome. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that as we have other perhaps less timid voices among new Canadians, and I, I do think that People who are born here are generally kind of timid about the public representation of their faith. I hope that as we have more and more immigrants here, that this changes the conversation and opens more spaces for people to talk about their faith in the public square and for it to be taken seriously as a real and true and vibrant and authentic and acceptable dimension of their lives and of our public lives together. Thanks for listening. Find out more about the EFC's research at www.theefc.ca slash research. 